Mark chapter 8 and verse 22 is where we begin our reading. And he, referring to the Lord, cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him, Jesus, to touch him, the blind man. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes, everybody say, yuck. And put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught or if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. Made him look up, and he was restored, and saw every man clearly. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the trees are walking. The trees are walking. Would you bow your head and pray with us? Lord, we are thankful for this opportunity to be in your presence. We don't take it lightly, but we are thankful and appreciative that once again we have the opportunity to come before the throne room of grace and find help in a time of need i ask god that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word anoint your messenger to speak your word without fear or favor we'll give you praise for all things and everybody said in jesus name you may be seated thank you for standing this story has always been of particular interest this miracle unlike the other miracles that Jesus performed on a regular basis in his earthly ministry. It is interesting as we study this miracle that the first time this man looked around after Jesus had prayed for him, that he saw men as trees walking. And this is interesting because... We don't seem to have any other examples of the Lord doing a partial miracle. He didn't raise Lazarus up halfway from the dead. He didn't pray for people to be healed of leprosy and most of the leprosy was gone. He didn't heal the lame man and him get up and stumble around and walk for a few steps and sit back down again. When Jesus does a work, it is a complete work. When God saved us from sin, He didn't partially save us from sin. He didn't say, I'll give you the Holy Ghost, but now you've got to figure out a way to deal with your own addictions. When God gives you His Spirit, He gives you the power, total, complete power, to live above sin. To conquer every single temptation in this world. Because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who is a complete God? And there are numerous examples of that throughout the Word of God. So this particular miracle is quite interesting because it doesn't seem to be how God works. Why did this man see people as trees walking? 
when he first looked around? Was his healing less than perfect? Was this the first time that God did not heal in a complete manner? I don't think so. But for years I was not sure of the proper explanation as to why this man saw men as trees walking. I was looking at this particular passage of Scripture again recently and as I was reading it and once again pondering its significance, it seemed to be that the Lord spoke into my heart and just simply said it was two different miracles. As I thought about that, it was two different miracles. I wondered what that meant. And I read it a few more times and I thought about it in terms of two different miracles. I'd always thought it was, he prayed once and he got most of the way there and he prayed again and he got completely there. But when I felt the Lord impress my spirit that it was two different miracles, I started looking at it from that paradigm. And then things begin to become more clear. God healed him the first time in terms of his physical needs. But the second time, he healed his perspective. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this was a man who had been led by others his entire life. Even Jesus led him out of town before he prayed for him. This was a man who was used to people spitting on him. So it did not seem to bother him when the Lord spit in his eyes. He was used to being mistreated by people. He was used to being cursed at. He was a man who knew humanity at its worst and perhaps at its best at the same time. Perhaps he had even been kicked around a few times as he parked too far out on the path in his daily effort to get some meager coins from people that passed him by on foot. He knew what it was like to be disliked, ridiculed, made fun of. He knew the wrath and the scorn of men. But yet he needed people. He needed their cast-offs. He needed a few coins that they would throw so he could eat and survive another day of torment. And as much as he resented it, he was dependent on man. He didn't have to like them, but he needed them. They were a means to an end. They were his worst enemy, and yet they were his salvation. We can say it this way, they were a necessary evil. He didn't have to love them, but he had to live with them. They were just objects. They were just trees. They were just there. There was no relationship. There was no intimacy. There was no love loss. Just a tree. Something to lean on. Something to hide under when the sun gets hot. Nothing more than a chair that's needed when you approach a table. You don't think a whole lot about developing a relationship with a chair. You just go up and you pull it out and you sit on it and you pull yourself up there and you get ready for the meal or 
to visit or whatever. You don't think in terms of wonder if it's hurting the feelings of this chair because I'm sitting on it. You don't think in terms of trying to hug the chair, develop a relationship with the chair, see how the chair's feelings are. It's an inanimate object. It's a chair. I need a chair to sit on. That's what its job is. Just an inanimate object. So when this man was healed, he just saw men as trees walking. He just saw them physically as he had always seen them mentally. Just trees. Trees that will maybe throw me some acorns. Strong objects that are bigger and taller and more intimidating, but now they're moving. The Bible says that when Jesus prayed again, that he saw them clearly and was made whole. You see, he wasn't whole before because he didn't have the right perspective on these things called humans. But the second time Jesus prayed, he saw them clearly. He now saw them as God sees them. He saw them as hurting humans. Maybe they weren't blind, but they had other issues. Some were torn with grief because of the loss of a child. Some were bent over with the shame of a mistake. Some stumbled with the heavy load of a broken relationship. But he saw them clearly as human beings. Created in the image of God. So the question for you and I today, First Pentecostal, Christians, believers, apostolics, is how do we see people? Do we see them simply as trees walking? Or do we see them as God's handiwork? Do we see them as just someone who's trying to take my parking spot? Somebody else that I got to deal with on my pew, I got to wrestle with to make sure I get that desired spot on the end of the aisle. The older you get, the less you want to be around crowds, the less you want to deal with people, the less you want to get bumped and shoved and knocked around and have to deal with the masses. My entire family loves going to Disney World, except me. (laughs) And so for a few years, we have tried to figure out what is wrong with Uncle Scrooge. Me. And so I've had to think about different scenarios in my mind to try to figure out what my problem was. And someone said to me, imagine going to Disney World with no one else there. No characters. No other people. 
Just you and your family and Walt Disney World. I said, are there people there to run the rides and everything? They said, yes, the staff would be there to assist you. But you would not have any lines. You wouldn't have to stand in line for a frozen lemonade. You don't have to stand in line for Space Mountain. I said, I don't ride Space Mountain anymore. They said, okay, forget that. You don't have to stand in line for It's a Small World. I said, I don't think you stand in line for that ride anyhow. They said, you don't have to stand in line for a country bear jamboree. I'm like, now you're talking. Let you chew on that one a little while. But I got to thinking about Walt Disney World with nobody else there. And all of a sudden, I felt the magic come back. I'm like, I think I could deal with that. If there was nobody else there, I would enjoy it. But the problem is, half the universe is there. Not just America, the whole world goes to Disney World. And I know next weekend we've got a, a Bible quiz tournament over there, and we've got 95 teams coming from 13 states in Canada, and we're going to go over there and we're going to make merry, and everybody's going to have a good time, and I'm going to endure it. Because what I'm going to do while I'm walking down Main Street, well, you can't even walk down Main Street. You'll get run over by people that have strollers for their kids. They're not just for their kids. Some of the strollers are empty. There's no children in the strollers. They use them as plows to knock people out of the way. I think they put baby dolls and they wrap them up and stuff in there. Because you're like, oh, excuse me, and you turn around and there's like, there's a baby, but you're not sure if it's a baby or not. It's just like an igloo with a big blanket around it and some drinks and snacks in there. And everybody's on a scooter. Do all of them people need to be on scooters? You take your life in your hands trying to walk across Main Street USA, you're going to get run over. Because a lot of people can be a pain. Just a lot of people. And when we get in this crowded society that we're in, I remember... When we went over into China, that there was such a hostile environment just trying to navigate your car down the road. And, and um, our guide was telling us, in China, if you don't honk, you don't move. There's so many people. Everything is just a mass of humanity. And so everything... And it's just... Disney World 24-7. And as society becomes more and more crowded and congested and, and the urban areas get bigger and the rural areas are shrinking and, and there's all of this that we have to go through as being a part of crowded society, it's easy for us in our humanity to look for space. Look how everybody's sitting here today. Everybody's got a little space around them. We like our bubble. 
We all have that bubble. I don't know I getting too close. We've all been prayed for that first time. But is it possible we need Him to pray for us one more time? So we don't just see humanity as trees walking. Because ladies and gentlemen, these trees are walking, but they're also talking and they're hurting. And they need you and they need me. And we are surrounded by people that God died for. Every one of them. So we have to see people as souls. They're not just trees. We're not inanimate objects. You're not just another number. You're not just breathing air. You're not just holding out a spot on this planet. You are a child of God. You're the apple of His eye. And God loves every single human. Now, it's easy for us to form opinions, even as... Pentecostals and be at arm's length with people and to see people only as trees walking. Even though we know that our mission is to take the gospel to the whole world, we sometimes wonder about the whole world. And we see people that are all tattooed up and got more piercings than a pincushion, and we think they'd never want to hear about God. But we don't realize all those things represent pain. And we've got the gospel that will change the world. You can't judge a book by its cover. You don't know what's going on in that person's heart. You don't know. They may not look like anybody to you. They may look like trouble. They may look like there's somebody that's going to cause you harm. But if you get down to it, you'll find that they are a soul that God loves them. And they're just looking for somebody that'll take the gospel to them. I heard a story about this lady. I believe she was Pentecostal. She was at least associated with a Pentecostal church out west and she was a good lady but she had a little issue with gambling she liked to go to Vegas and play the the one-armed slot machines put coins in and and you know they got all them lights that go off and the bells that goes off and all that and and the the fruit that's flipping and all the little things that go on and it just looks like a big carnival you say, Pastor, how do you, know, how do you know so much about casinos? <laughs> I've walked through them on the cruise ship trying to get to the ice cream stand. And they put them right in the middle of the boat. And you go through there and then people are just sitting there mindlessly. almost look like they've been taken over reminds me of that far side cartoon i saw about these two old fellows that were out frog gigging and one of them said now earl if you shine the light right in his face and there's a big old toad frog down there on the lily pad and he's got his flashlight on. he said if you shine the light right in their face it paralyzes them and they can't move and you've got them 
And he's got his flashlight right there and he's telling his buddy. And his buddy's over there next to him and his buddy's looking up and a UFO's come down. He's got a big light on him. He's already been taken over by a higher force. So this lady was feeling guilty. She went over there and she said, and she was praying while she was playing. Lord, if you just help me win, I'll pay the church. I'll pay my tithes. I'll, I'll help pay off the building program. Oh, I mean, you know, people do all kinds of crazy things. Oh, God, if you'll help me win, I know I'll, I'll pay. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a double and I'll pay. Lord, you know, I know it's your will. And she hit the jackpot. Coins started flying and spitting in every direction. Her little old plastic thing wouldn't fill it. I had to bring in another plastic. People coming over, take pictures. She's trying to hold all the buckets together. She gets it all together and takes the pictures, go through the whole rigmarole of she's won. I don't know how much, but it was a big old, they give her a big old thing like this. And she's like, I got to take it up to my room. I got to take it up to my room before I get robbed. Somebody's going to rob me. I got to take it up to my room. And she's got this big thing and she's standing there and she's pushing the button for the elevator. And the elevator opens and she walks on and there's two black men standing there with hoods over their head like that. One's tall and one's short. And she goes. <laughs> she walks on the elevator, turns around, and the door shuts, and she stands there. And the elevator doesn't move. And she's doing nothing but holding her coins and looking at the door. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> And finally, one of the guys said, hit the floor! And she dove to the floor like that and threw all the coins up in the air. <laughs> True story. They got to laughing so hard. They were like, we meant hit the floor that you want to go to. But what floor? They helped her pick up all the coins. They laughed and laughed. They got so tickled. She's like, I thought y'all were going to rob me. And they're like, no, we're not going to rob you of your quarters. <laughs> we're going to help you. They helped her, escorted her to the room. They laughed. She could hear them laughing as they went down the hall. She shut the door. She said, God, I thank you. I thought you were going to judge me for playing the casino. That not only would I lose my money, but I was going to lose my life. I thank you, Lord, for sparing my life. Took all of her coins and stuffed them all in her little safe in her room. And the next morning there was a knock at the door. She opened the door up. There was a guy standing there with a bouquet of roses. She looked at the roses. There was a whole big thing of roses. And as she looked at the roses, there was a hundred dollar bill around each one of them. She read the card and the card said, Thanks for the laughs. Michael and Eddie. It was Michael Jordan and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> they didn't need her little quarters. They gave her hundred dollar bills wrapped around roses. Thanks for the laughs. We can so easily dismiss people. Don't judge a book by its cover. You think it's just a tree that's walking. It's just something there that's, I got to work my way around. No, that's a human being. You don't know. They're hungry. They desire to know about Jesus. They're valuable. They're valuable.
Now I'm the first to admit that this process is a messy one. Notice in the story that the Lord spit in his eye. Everybody say yuck. This is a messy business. It's not a clean and easy process. Soul winning is messy. Many times it's a sacrifice. You see kids playing in your neighborhood and you're like, I want to pick those kids up and take them to church. And you put them all in your car and you load them up and you take them to church and when I'm sick, it throws up all over your car. Ugh. Everybody say yuck. It's a messy business. You're like, I'm going to volunteer today in the ministry fair and I'm going to be an usher. Brother Derek Hayes puts you through an usher training seminar. He tells you now, if there's a baby that's crying and the mother, you go to the mother in the service and you say, you know, there's a nursery that we've provided for our babies and children. We have people there to staff and help and make sure you let them know and you can help them. So your first day on the job, you're in a Sunday morning, you're so excited, you got your usher's jacket on. As you've been trained, you go over there to the lady and to the baby, and you say, ma'am, we have a beautiful nursery right out here that's staffed and all kinds of games. If you'd like, you can bring your child out to the nursery. And she looks at you and goes, do you want to raise this baby? You go back to Brother Hayes and just turn your jacket back in. <laughs> you volunteer for the parking lot. 2019, I'm going to volunteer. First Pentecostal, I'm going to help Brother Gibson and his team park cars. Give you the key to the golf cart and a beautiful yellow shirt. Maybe you don't get on the golf cart right away. Maybe you get one of those baton lights where you wave people on. Or maybe you just stand out in the parking lot and point. You're so excited. 2019, I'm volunteering. Here comes the saints of God. Excited about being in church on another day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. That the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. Car comes in, you're pointing, smiling, singing. They stop and look at you and go, I don't park over there! I park over here, get out of my way! <laughs> you go turn your yellow shirt in. <laughs> It's messy. Dealing with humanity is messy. People that are supposed to be saved are not always nice. Be quiet, boy.
You know why it's getting quiet? Because we've been prayed for the first time. We know what it is to have the miracle power of God. We know what it is to be healed. We know what it is to be delivered. We know what it is. But the Lord is wanting to pray one more time so that you see clearly that the humanity that's around you that's messy and hurting is why God saved you. He didn't just save you so you could escape hell. He saved you so you could serve Him by serving your fellow man. When you get older, your vision begins to change. The lens on the front of your eyes, normally, when you're young, they're very flexible. And pliable. And so your eye can change and bend, and the shape moves around to accommodate the focusing that's necessary so that you can see far off and then you can read something close up, and, and the lens is pliable, and zzz, zzz, like a lens on a camera moves around and it does it all in the front of your eyeball. Because you're young and it's flexible and it moves and it can create perfect vision. But when you get old, the front of your eyelid starts to harden. The lens is not as pliable. And you see people in their 40s and 50s doing this business. They go into a restaurant and they got a menu and they're like, what am I going to eat? <laughs> they almost put your eye out trying to get the menu way out there. <laughs> Try to bring everything into perfect vision, but you can't do it because the lens on your eye as you accumulate birthday hardens. why they say when you get older you get set in your ways bless God this is where I always sit but it's a visitor but they can go sit down the other end you see men as trees walking brother Scott and the heart can harden you don't even realize it but over the years, you've just pushed away from people and you keep them more at arm's length than you used to. They have this surgery now for your eyelids. It's called Lasix. How many of you ever heard of it? I'm thinking about doing it. I just got to get my courage up. Because I'm tired of fooling around with these things. I've already got the font on this iPad at 48. If it gets any bigger, they're going to see it from space. <laughs> I scare my wife when I say I have 55 pages of notes. She's like, oh, Jesus, help us. I said, not to worry, here's the way it goes. And the Lord said, page six.
so they have this thing called laser surgery where they put some drops in there. My friends who did it, they said, it's, it's incredible, David. you got to do it. I'm thinking about doing it. I saw there's somebody in Orlando that does it for like 250 bucks an eye. I don't know if their laser's real rusty or why it's so cheap. I'm not sure. <laughs> but they put these drops in your eyes and it, and it deadens it all. And then they prop the one eye open like this and they got this black like suction cup thing and it, and it attaches to the eyeball. And then it's only like 10 seconds and it's Laser is the thought of it's what scares me. The laser cuts that lens on the cover of your eyeball. The body is so amazing that when it heals itself, it heals itself in perfect alignment. So that in a couple of days, you don't even need glasses anymore. Because your flesh has been cut, and because your flesh was cut, you've got a new perspective. There's a refocusing. Have you ever wondered why you go through the trials you go through? You go through things and you can tell you're being cut. You don't know why. Why am I going through this? God, I'm faithful. I come to church. I pay my tithes. I don't run over pedestrians. <laughs> I'm a good guy. Brother Dom, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best. And yet I'm going through a trial. Why am I going through this, God? Seem like other people that don't even go to church have got no problems at all. Here I am, I've been faithful, I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to do good, and seems like everything's going wrong. Why? Could it be that God is cutting you so that there'll be a refocus and when He prays again, you'll see people clearly. You'll not only be healed, but you'll be made whole. He's got to cut the flesh. There's got to be something that happens where we say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. we got to refocus. There's examples of this throughout the Word of God in the Old Testament. There wasn't anything glamorous or desirous about circumcision, the cutting of the flesh, but yet the Lord required that of the Jews. There's something about keeping your flesh in submission that allows your priorities to be refocused. It allows you to understand what's really important. Because Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, not take up your couch. There's got to be sacrifice in this, folks, or it just doesn't work. Your life can become distant can become closed off to others so that you forget the joy of serving. You forget the joy of volunteering. Your heart can easily become hard without even realizing it because it's a gradual process. Got to refocus. And the only way you can refocus is to let the Word of God do what the Bible says it will do, and that is to cut to the dividing asunder. to give you a better perspective. 
alive in 2019 if you get involved in a volunteer ministry. Your spirit will revive if you get connected to serving and helping. You'll start to see people as God does. Not just as trees walking. But you'll see them as souls that are hungry for the cause of Christ. Yes, you've been touched by God's mighty hand and so have I. But there's another prayer that's coming. I said there's another prayer that's coming. There's another miracle that's coming. We're not going to live our life just seeing people as trees. We're going to live our life seeing people as God does. And that is hurting humans that are hungry for Him. What's the secret? The secret's found in the Word of God. Because the second time he prayed, he asked him, look up. Look up. I think there's a key to that. He told the blind man, look up. To refocus, you've got to see the big picture. You've got to focus on God and not necessarily on people. There's a lot of people that lose out in their walk with God because they got their focus off of Jesus and they got it on people. If you just focus on people, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to see ministries walking. You got to look up. I serve humanity because I serve God. I need to look up. You need to look up. We need to look on Him from which cometh our help. If we look on Him, we'll get a new vision. We'll get a new perspective. Our eyes will refocus. Come on, would you stand to your feet right now? I feel like the Spirit of God is moving in this place. You'll get a new vision of yourself if you'll just look at Christ. You're not just some big conglomeration of mistakes. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. He hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Oh, hallelujah! I'm not just another number. I'm not just another human being down here breathing air. I am a child of God. I've been bought with His blood. I've been sanctified by His Spirit. The direction of your life and the direction of my life will be defined by who you follow and how you serve. From this day forward, the direction of your life will be defined by who you follow and how you serve. And I can show you countless scriptures where God measures our greatness only by our willingness to serve. I love the miracles, I love the signs and wonders. I pray for them, you do, we fast for them, and we see them regularly. But until we get that second touch, we're not made whole. We're not all that God saved us for. I would go so far as to say that we have a hole in our gospel until we get to that second prayer 
thankful for all the people we baptize in Jesus' name. We have a baptismal this morning that's ready. We can baptize you in Jesus' name. Every service we try to have an invitation to give you an opportunity to receive His Spirit. And in just a moment we're going to gather down here in the front again. Just as we celebrate all those things and we will continue to do so. We must celebrate when we make a commitment to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you by serving others. I don't want to just walk this life by serving my own interests and my own needs. I'll teach a Bible study. I'll witness. I'll share the gospel. I'll volunteer in one of the ministries. I'll do whatever it takes, God. Because I realize the only way that you and I can respond to the burden that we have in our hearts to serve Him wholly and completely is by serving others. Because the Lord said, when you've done it unto the least of them, You've done it under me. So we're going to keep on bringing in semis and we're going to keep on feeding people that we don't even know where they attend church. We may not even know their name. They just drive in through the parking lot with their trunks open and we put boxes of food in them. Because we're crazy enough to believe that though only the trunk is open on this visit, the next visit may be into this sanctuary and the heart is open. Thank you to all the men and women that gather together on a regular basis, not just on Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and stack boxes and feed people say thank you for those that come early and fold bulletins for people that come early and greet saints as they're coming in the house of God and ushers that open up and close the house of God and people that come and volunteer and vacuum the carpet clean the bathrooms I say thank you because you've moved beyond just seeing men as trees walking this is God's house This is not just another facility. This is not just some business. We are the family of God. This is the house of God. And if I pick up a piece of paper on the carpet, I've done it unto Him. If I hold the door open, there's some lady coming in the front door. You're serving God by serving humanity. If you're working in the kids or the youth program and you feel like your work is in vain, you don't think anyone's noticing or you miss Wednesday after Wednesday because you're teaching a class and you're fixing the kids a snack or you're serving on the youth staff and you feel inadequate. You don't feel like anybody notices week after week. I tell you today that God keeps good books. And God is looking down and saying, great is my servant. Great is my servant. Because Isaiah 2.9 says, and the great man humbleth himself. You may not see yourself that way. You may not see yourself as being very talented or anointed. But every time 
You do some small, seemingly meaningless task to help those that are hurting. Or to present the church in such a way that people can come in and hear the gospel in a more favorable light. My friend, the Bible says he looks at you and says, Great is my servant. Refocus. Refocus is realizing that your perspective about others and yourself needs a change. You are a child of God. You're not just a number. You're not just a tree. You're walking. You're moving. You feel. You hurt. You're the apple of God's eye. And if you are serving, you are great to God. I wonder right now if you would bow your head. And I wonder if you'd close your eyes. And I wonder if you would join me in praying and saying, Lord, I'm asking you, God, to cut my heart or my spirit or whatever it is that may have hardened over the years and allow there to be a refocusing. I wonder if you would pray right now and ask God to do that. Lord, here I am. You've been so good to me. You've blessed me over the years. You've kept me. You've protected my home and my family. You've been so good to me, Lord, more than we deserve. And today, God, we're saying we want to refocus. We want to see people clearly as you see them. We want to be made whole. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word also. I'm asking you, Lord, for that second miracle. I'm asking you, Lord, to pray one more time for me. Let my eyes, Lord, be open. Let my heart and my spirit be open. Because I'll make a commitment right now, Lord, that whatever you want me to do, I'll commit to it. Let my will decrease so that your glory increases in my life. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you really truly believe that you're ready to make a commitment to serve God, by volunteering to be a part of a ministry in this church. I wonder if you would step out from where you're standing and would you come right down here to the front? Just a moment, we're going to go to the Life Center, but for just one second before we do that, I know we vote with our feet and I believe it's important to go ahead and make that public declaration to say, God, you can count on me. I'm coming back one more time. I thank you, Lord, that you've healed me. I thank you, Lord, that you've saved me. I thank you, Lord, that you brought me out of darkness. But maybe there's just still a little bit of a fuzzy picture. I believe, God, that you're wanting to use me to be a soul winner. So I'm going to make my way. That's it. Just come real quick. We're going to come down here to the front. Just step out from where you're standing. If you don't feel the need to, you don't have to. But if you're ready for God right now to help you refocus, I want you to just step out wherever you're at and just come down. Just press down as close as you can. People are coming down from behind. You're asking God to give you a changed perspective today. To sharpen your vision so that you can be more spiritually in tune with what God's doing in these last days. Thank you for coming.
those of you that are here, just press down as close as you can get. If you're standing in the front of the aisles there where they're at, if you don't mind just taking about three steps forward, I want everybody to come down as close as they can. We're going to pray together right now. And when we pray together, our worship leaders, they're going to, they're going to lead you in a song. And when, they, when you hear the words of this song, I want it to just marinate in your heart and in your mind. But for just a moment, here's what I want us to do. I want us all to lift our hands. And I want us to lift our voice. And I want us to lift our heads because we're going to look up. We're going to look on Him. And I wonder right now, would you say, Lord, you can use me. I'm here, God. I'll volunteer my time. I'll commit in any way you need me to, Lord. If you need me to load boxes in cars, I'll do it, God. If you need me to be an usher or a greeter or a parking lot attendant or work in the nursery, come on, those aren't just crying babies. Every child is a gift from God. Come on, I'll use my talents. I'll use my abilities. I'm asking you, God, to help me refocus this year. Help me refocus, Lord, this year. Come on, I'm not going to see people as a problem anymore. I'm going to see every person as an opportunity. Come on, let the laser of His Word, let it cut your spirit. That's it, lift your voice, lift your head. I do it under you, God. I'm not doing, I'm not looking for accolades from people. I'm looking under you, Lord. You're the author and the finisher of my faith. I don't only want to be healed, I want to be made whole. Come on, I want to be made whole. In the name of Jesus. I give myself away. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I give myself away. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. 